Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts and I'm here with my co-host Wynne Morgan. Hello, hello Kate. Hey Wynne. So Wynne, um, you had some thoughts on what we should talk about today. You want to go from there? Yeah, why not? And full disclosure, sometimes Kate and I meet and we don't know what we're going to talk about. And today was one of those days. And then I reflected that some conversations I was having with people in the last few days was around decision making. And how desperate we sometimes feel to make the right decision or to make a decision or to know what to do how how much that can grip us and i've been certainly very um, prone to being gripped by thinking i needed to make the right decision or or then go into what used to be my classic way and i know a lot of people think that this is how to make a decision when they're unsure which path to take is take a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, a vertical line on the left hand side, list all the, all the pluses, all the pros and on the right hand side, all the negatives, all the cons and whichever is the longest list, that will be the, what do I do? And it's funny because while I've tried that a number of times up until probably 10 years ago, that's what I would often do. Try and use that extreme logic of whichever list is longest, therefore that, therefore that will be the decision that I take. I don't think I ever did it that way when it finally came down to it. So I might have 18 on one side on one column and 14 on the other. I don't know that that was ever the deciding thing because it was never that cut and dry because I'd look at some of the things on the right hand side and wonder, well, wait a minute, but some of these things on the 14 are more important than some of the things on the 18. So I would talk myself out of it. And it's interesting that I've heard that from lots of people in the business world about business decisions personal lives, personal decisions about life that we often think that the intellect is the best tool in order to make a decision. And I'm not saying the intellect is a, is a bad thing for this at all, but I've noticed that when there's a genuine decision, there's another voice that comes through that's not from my intellect. That's always guiding. And sometimes works in extremely mysterious ways. 
and some people call that 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 guiding uh, principle some people call that wisdom some people would would call that god some people would call that universal mind north star I've also noticed that that seems to have my back even when I don't think it does. And sometimes it's shown up in really mysterious ways where I've made some pretty amazing decisions for my life in the big picture from a place of insecurity and classical thinking would suggest that well you know you're making a decision when you're insecure that might not be a good decision well i don't know if that's always true maybe there's something even bigger at play than the minute by minute decisions or the decisions of what to do with our next three minutes, three hours, three years. Anyway, that would be my starter, Kate. <laughs> Your thoughts? I think in the past, I've done the same, 100%. And even if it, it wasn't a a pro and con list in front of me. It was, it was always from an intellectual place where I would use um, basically my computer, my mind, my brain, yeah. And, and you know, sometimes that took me down a, you know, a path that later on I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> and sometimes, you know, it, it took me down a very beautiful path that may have even changed the direction of my life. But I think that in the last few years, I've seen that, that there's another way. Um, moving in one direction or another. And I don't, I see it less as the right decision or the wrong decision and more of just what I find myself doing. And that has a certain flow to it that when I'm making decisions, you know, for my intellect, it doesn't have that feel of flow. And I think that in the times in my life where I felt like, oh my gosh, there's a big decision to make, right? That to me is more of an indicator now that I got too much thinking around it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> rather than, oh, there's something I need to do now. If it feels like 
that those are indicators of some action I'm supposed to take, then I realize I've got too much on it, too much thinking on it. And when I'm present and feeling that kind of flow, it just doesn't ever have that, that heaviness to it, that urgency, I guess is the right word. And have a sense of urgency to it. That's what I've started to see about decisions. To me, that's a big statement to make that we've both seen something about for ourselves. That decisions that would go, ah, we got to make the right one. Mm-hmm. That, and, and you've said it just now that, wait a minute, that means. I've got a lot of thinking about it. Not that it, the decision itself is such a big thing. I've just got a lot of thinking about it. I'm intrigued to figure out how you noticed that. Mm. Like, how do I notice that whatever I've got going on has a sense of urgency about it? Well, let me ask it differently. To move from a life where decisions seemed like they were a really big deal, that it was in the decision that the big deal was, for you to now see that it's not the decision, it's that you've got thinking about it. How did that occur? That's a great question. Okay, so if I'm being completely honest, I sense that it has to do more with like the more time that I've spent coming back to what's under the noise, the quiet, like the more time I seem to spend there, the less sense that stuff seems to make. Like, I, I don't think there's an effort to it. I'm not trying to do it. Like, it's not like, woohoo, I did it. I didn't do it. I just, the more time I spend, in the peace that is who I am, mm-hmm. under all of that, I just find myself not doing things the same way as I always did them. And then when I have a lot on it, I am sensing the difference in the two. So it becomes more obvious when I have a lot on it because I've spent more time in that space. And I don't think it's something that happens overnight. I just think it's that natural, like, when we settle. When we just come back and settle. And, which I'm sure if, if someone's listening to this podcast, they're like, oh my God, what are you talking about? But like, that's the only thing. And it, it's the only thing that I can used to explain how I would know the difference. Mm. In my 20s, I spent some time living in Spain. It was wonderful. But when I came back to the States, it was so different, right? Life was so different. It was like, you know, people saw me and they're like, oh my gosh, you're in culture shock or something because, it, you know, it's like you're adjusting to the new culture. And it's almost like that. Like you can point your finger at things and 
but it's just this shift that takes place. Like, for example, I was telling, I, I went um, back to Virginia to visit where I'm from, and I was having a conversation with someone, and I started to talk about how, you know, I used to need things to be very orderly outside of me. So, you know, my home was very clean and, you know, everything was in its place. And, um, and I noticed that in the last few years is this kind of shift has taken place. I don't seem to need that to make me feel peaceful. And that wasn't a decision that I made. I just noticed I didn't seem to gravitate towards needing to organize or clean or as much as I used to. But that never was a decision that I made. You're like, oh, I'm not going to clean as much. It, it never felt that way. So that's just mm -hmm. some of the things that I've started to notice that like things shifting effortlessly, but no decision was made to change. I don't know if that makes any sense, but what I'm starting to see, or at least what I've seen so far. It makes a, a massive amount of sense to me. And before we started recording today and we were deciding if this was what we talk about, you said something to me that reminded me that this is a, a good, it's been a good learning for the two of us. When you and I have, you know, shared notes about this as we did within the last hour. And you said something about, we make decisions all the time that aren't conscious. One of the biggest ones we do is to breathe out after breathing in. But that's not a logical, mm. computer-driven, thought-generated decision. It's good to know that some of those decisions are as, that are really taken care of. And when you said it wasn't a conscious decision to, to clean and tidy less, it just happened because you noticed it didn't have to be that way. And then when we notice something like that, that has a big impact on our everyday decisions and everyday way of living. Mm -hmm. And the bit that I loved in what you shared earlier was about what happened that made you notice that you didn't have to use the same method for making decisions, you saw that what thinking going on when the decision looked like it really mattered it wasn't in the decision itself, it was in your head. To notice the feeling of being at home inside, that feeling of under the noise, the feeling of the inner peace. And in my experience, and in talking to lots of other people, you included. It's a good reminder that the longer we rest there, the longer we live there, anything that isn't there feels off. 
and we notice that's an inner job as opposed to an outer decision that will define our life or that will cause peace, tranquility, feeling of being at home or the opposite feeling in us. It doesn't come from those decisions. It's a lovely reminder, Kate. Mm-hmm. One of the um, one of the people that that helped me the most, that reminded me the most, especially for a doer like me, a fixer, right? Get to the bottom of it. And that's what I've done most of my life is you and because you constantly remind me that there's nothing to do. Like, I'm like, oh, I see it. Now what? Okay, what, what do I do? And that's something that you and I talked about you know, when we first got on today is people wanting to know what to do. And basically, you know, you always remind me, about what? <laughs> about what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Yeah, you're right. And then I would just settle. And I'd settle. And it's so wonderful when you have people in your life that um, that remind you. Do about what? Do about what? Yeah. Because doing made a lot of sense. And there's no right or wrong in this. I don't think. Like even when I was using my intellect 24-7 to, to guide my life, that's not a wrong way. But there is another way. In, in listening to what you just said, the version of me 10 years ago, when he first heard that, thought, well, do about what? Then I wouldn't do anything. I literally thought that what would happen if I didn't force myself to do things and put that pressure on myself I thought I'd stay in bed every day and wouldn't do anything else. I really did think that. And the reason I bring that up is in case anyone, if that's crossed anyone's mind listening to this today. And someone asked me that years ago. And I I could say from my experience that I thought that and how it's actually played out has been the opposite. Because I've got less on my mind, I tend to do more. I tend to do an awful lot more with a free mind. And I don't spend day after day under the duvet. Because, well, how do I decide when to get up? All of a sudden, they're kind of easy. But here's the point. I I remember saying to somebody once years ago, it would be the equivalent of, Giving a given a lion the choice of okay, lion, you can stay here on the savannah or you can go live in a cage in a zoo and your food's taken care of. What would you rather? I'm pretty sure the lion would say, Well, that zoo sounds kind of sucky. Thanks very much. Can I stay here and live a lion's life as opposed to a caged? 
animal's life. Because when we see, or when certainly, and I would say it for myself, when I saw that there was nothing scary, nothing inherently scary that was coming from the external world, including my decision, which one was the right and which one was the wrong, which I had all, all the time in my head. When I saw through that illusion, I was free therefore putting myself in a cage or the equivalent of spending my life under the duvet made absolutely no sense to me anymore so this lion did not vote for the zoo he went with well, this savannah just looks like an awful lot more fun now i've seen me in the savannah for what they really are and before we started today as we were talking you reminded me of a, a poem by rumi do you have it to hand? I don't. Do you have it still? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I took a screenshot of it. It would sound so much better in your um, amazing accent and voice. I think you should read it. I'm glad that's not going to go to my head. Because <laughs> <laughs> then I'll get self-conscious over, well, you know, I better read it right now. Now that pressure's on. Okay, here we go. So, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. Mm. Now, I'll share what I see in that, but I'd love to know, because I know that's one of your favorites. What is it about that that really speaks to you? Mm. I think it, it, it points to the place inside all of us beyond our own judgment of wrong and right. Wrong and right in our own lives and our own decisions and those of others. And I think that there's a place inside all of us where we realize that but there is a possibility that, that maybe there is no wrong way. And um, to meet somebody beyond wrong and right, almost like you're meeting them on a deeper, on a deeper level beyond all that. And, um, and I love that so much because in that space, I can let go of all of that. And I can just put it down for a bit. And that feels lighter. Doesn't mean I don't pick it back up and get where I left off, but I love that. As I'm sitting here and listening to you, it's a reminder of underneath all that noise of judging what is wrong and right, everything becomes one. Everything is then seen again for what unifies, as Rumi says, the field, mm. where there is no separation. And all we're doing when we 
even when we forget and, and when we remember, you're still living a life in whatever shape and form it takes, moment by moment. It's a heck of an experience then. Hmm. Playing in the field. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you. I'm glad I listened to you. Oh, let's talk about that. <laughs> I'm glad we did that. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. You've been listening to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynn Morgan, and co-host Kate Roberts. If there's anything specifically that you'd like us to talk about or you'd like to come along as a guest, drop us an email. Our contact details are below if you're watching on YouTube and here in the details of the podcast if you're listening. And we'll speak to you again real soon. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.